0: Hey folks, Scott Weingart here, and this is an MCrit Wee. Today on the podcast, we're going to discuss a new format of ED critical care, specifically utile in rural environments, though I could see this being applied at any small hospital, especially community hospitals that may not have access to a formal ED critical care program. I have a guest, Eric Klotz, to come and talk about the MSTAT program, and uh, we'll get to what that is in just a sec. Two quick ads. First, uh, my buddy and partner in coaching, Rob Orman, and I are doing a pre-conference at the Essentials of Emergency Medicine Conference in Vegas. If you're going, check out our pre conference offering, it's on burnout prevention burnout cure you know it's no bullshit no woo it's just pure good stuff you could use on your next shift it's purely tactical ways to make your life better more fun and more enjoyable so if you're interested in that just go to the essentials of em site and you will see our pre-conference and you could register for it there and if you already signed up you could just add this on and then the second uh mention is actually how i met today's guest eric klotz he was one of our fellows in the resus leadership academy which if you haven't heard about that that is haney Malamit and my uh, virtual resuscitation fellowship. So basically you could do, in essence, a resuscitation fellowship without having to take a year off from work and give up all that salary and move to some other place. Um... You'd be working through a curriculum, you'd be meeting one-on-one with some of the best resuscitation and critical care professors out there, and a monthly meeting with me. And we've graduated, I think at this point, like well over uh, 100 fellows, and they've all gone on to take leadership roles or do amazing things in resuscitation, in emergency medicine, critical care, and internal medicine. So if that's interesting to you, just go to resusleadershipacademy.com. That's resusleadershipacademy.com. And now let's get right into the show with Eric Klotz. Okay, my friend, why don't you tell the listeners who you are and why you're here?
1: So I'm the director of emergency critical care for the Maryland Emergency Medicine Network and work as a community emergency medicine physician.
0: All right, perfect. And tell us a little historical background about the circumstances that led to the new development we're gonna discuss today.
1: Yeah, so the motivation for this program was a few years ago coming in on a shift and taking sign out, busy ER shift. And there is a critically ill patient intubated, admitted, and had been there for a few hours waiting for an ICU bed. They hadn't had their second dose of antibiotics and they were getting some fluids running. And it was one of those that I think everybody across the country could understand. They've had that, seen it, where you're like, we can do better on a patient. They, they deserve better care than historically they have received in the emergency department. And the literature shows that uh, after about four to six hours of an ICU border, their morbidity mortality starts to creep up. So I really wanted to address that from a community perspective. All right. So then what did you folks develop
0: to fix that circumstance?
1: Yeah, we developed a program called the Emergency Medicine Stabilization Team, or MSTAT. And what that is, it's a nurse physician call team that travels to the bedside to provide ongoing resuscitation to critically ill patients when an ICU bed isn't immediately available. And that leads into our our community has four sites spread out of across about 50 miles or so, a freestanding medical facility, a rural hospital, and a central hospital, which is the hub of a wheel and spoke model. And that allows us to travel to bedside offload the primary team to focus on the rest of the department while we give one-to-one individualized critical care to that patient all right so the doc and nurse team are at home
0: correct they're being paid for being on call they can't go in and imbibe and enjoy their lives so they're being paid for that some amount and then when they get called in is there additional amounts yeah. of money they make for that
1: so you get paid a set amount to be on call. And if you get called in, it flips to an hourly rate with four hours of guaranteed
0: pay. All right. So you come in, you stabilize. You don't have to worry about the rest of the department. The waiting room's not your problem. You're just concentrating on the critically ill patients. Now, it's the actual docs who are taking care of the patient in the ED who decide to make the call. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Although I have remote access, and so I, I troll the boards. And I identify patients that could be at risk of deterioration or their vital signs are slipping. And so I give a call and ask, hey, is this a patient that could could require additional services? Now, is on its face,
0: obviously, great for the patient. There, there's no way it's not going to have patient benefit. How is the hospital work their mind around that this is worthwhile investment to be doing this because ostensibly they've already hired the ED doc who in most people's hospital administrator type brains are like, they let them just take care of the patient. It's fine. This obviously is a patient care initiative that costs the hospital money, which are rare. So why were they
1: willing to do we it? We showed them that based on some of the search, literature search around the country with ED ICUs. The benefit of those and how they decrease ICU boarding time. It decreases morti- mortality, morbidity, and it offloads the ICU for. Surgical patients or neurosurgical cardiac patients. So there is that financial back end. We've been able to downgrade patients and financially there's benefit on the back side, but on the front side, they saw the benefits of just the improvement in patient care that we are providing. Because I firmly believe that you really shouldn't get a different level of care based on your zip code, being a rural hospital system. Sometimes there's that belief that we can't give as high quality of a care. And I think quite the opposite.
0: Now, how many people do you have on this team? Are all the docs
1: doing it? It's a certain subset. It's a certain subset. We have about six six to eight docs on our team that that have that extra interest in critical care that that want that experience of one-on-one care. It's a little outside of the the in-the-trenches mental mode. And have they undergone any training or do you have any training requirements? Yeah, we do the fundamentals of critical care as a general, I call it a merit badge just to make sure everybody's on the same page. But hey, we're all ER doctors. We are all at resuscitation. And so you just need that extra interest in doing it. Now, you recently published a paper on this
0: that's in press, Eric. What is that paper document?
1: Yeah, so that's it. The title is Utilizing an Emergency Medicine Stabilization Team to Provide Critical Care in a Rural Health System, A Novel Approach. And that's published in the American Journal of Emergency Medicine. And really my goal with the paper was to provide a bloop for other rural health systems that have struggled historically with the same problems that we've had. And it describes the, the concept of our program. We start off talking about The issues that we all face about the boarding issues and trying to manage a critically ill patient and the entire emergency department and how uh, that just historically hasn't worked out so well for anybody and we described the program in fairly good detail of how we set it up the nurse physician requirements we have to be within an hour's response time to all four sites and how we can take phone calls and actually start giving orders while we're on the road to the site just to jumpstart things. So we hit the ground running at the as soon as we get in the door. And then we talk about the results of it, our experience with it. For example, we saw about 195 patients that we described. Let me step back. We received calls for 195 patients, and we actually screen them for appropriateness. And so ultimately we accepted about 131 patients. We got to bedside. The most common diagnoses should be no shock, sepsis, respiratory failure, DKA, cardiac arrest. And most of the calls we found were on Monday, although it was a pretty close distribution throughout the week. They're mid-afternoon, again, as the department ramps up, that's when we start seeing more patients. And the outcomes of those patients was pretty interesting for me. We were able to downgrade 27 of those patients, 16 of them we got to med surge. two to an IMC. We were actually able to discharge two of them, Um, three of them we transitioned to a palliative care model, which I think that I'm actually proud of those cases where ordinarily we would just say, nah, send them up to the ICU, let them figure it out, because it does take time to sit down with the family and discuss goals of care. And sometimes we honestly don't have time for that. We were able to do that in a number of cases. So I I was proud of those cases. So overall, we showed that it it is a viable model for other communities. Is there any question I should have asked you, but haven't, Eric? I, I think that's pretty pretty straightforward in terms of the model. Setting it up is you just need a core group of doctors and nurses to really buy into this, this concept. And once you have that, the rest of it falls into place. I love it. I love it, man.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for telling the audience about this. Oh, thank you very much. So there you go, folks. That is the MSTAT program, yet another way you could do ED critical care in an emergency department and not have to have patients being taken care of in their critical illness by the same people that have to worry about the 50 patients in the waiting room. Um, If you're interested in other forms of ED critical care, there is a page on MCRIT with all of them. Remember the Precon at Essentials of Emergency Medicine, and then the Resuscitation Leadership Academy. If you want to up your resuscitation game, that's the way to do it, so resusleadershipacademy.com. I will speak to you soon. Scott Weingart for the m Podcast saying bye-bye.